So someone who has cultivated uh, practice, has cultivated Dhamma, and the enigmas of uh, Buddha's teachings, how come so much talking about suffering and unsatisfactoriness and, you know, how, how come that makes supposed to make you happy? <laughs> uh, yeah. And yet the result is, is Nibbana and Paramahamsukama. Nibbana is the ultimate ease, pleasure, comfort, the cessation of dukkha. How come so much emphasis on the unsatisfactoriness of the sensory condition uh, is supposed to give you that? You need to practice. Be be interested in that enigma. Be uh, questioning. Check it out. And how does it? How does so much um, emphasis on restriction, restraint, and conformity to rules and precepts and routines, which is you living in monasteries or anybody who undertakes training, generally means it requires a lot of discipline. How come that leads to openness and freedom? Hmm? <laughs> it's so restrained and so kind of can't do this, you can't do that, you can't go here, you can't go there. And how come that leads to freedom? Hmm? <laughs> yeah, so you can, you can question this and worry about this and sometimes find yourself thinking that, you know. Because, uh, and the simple answer is because um, the nature of mind has not been understood not be penetrated. If you penetrate and understand the nature of mind, this all makes complete sense. (laughs) Perfect sense. So what do you mean by mind? In the sense we use the word chitta. So, call that heart, mind, awareness, it's not a thing, remember, it's not some kind of entity, but it's like intelligence. Intelligence isn't a thing, and yet it's definitely an experience of being intelligent. It doesn't necessarily mean you can read Arabic, or that's not necessarily, that's certainly a function of intelligence, but that does not limit intelligence. You could be great at physics, that's intelligent, but that's, that's not the limit of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Jitta really is a limitless intelligence. It's not just intelligence about specific knowing certain things. It's about be knowing. Be the knowing. And what does Jitta know most thoroughly to its complete fulfillment of its potential? It knows liberation. And uh, by and large, the world in general encourages one's intelligence, one's mind, one's awareness to to stop short of that. It doesn't allow for fulfillment of that potential. 
generally involves get smart about business studies, management, uh, making conditions this way and that way, uh, producing this and uh, tweaking that and developing that. And certainly this is, takes intelligence to do it. But it doesn't lead out of stress. And this is a kind of realization that you get in some instinctive way that sets you off on this particular path. Why isn't this working? You know, I've done all the right things. I've got all the smarts. I've been to learn this and learn that and done this and done that. I've got one of these and that and I'm still stressful. In fact, this is making more stressful because the amount of energy and effort I do trying to keep conditions balanced and stable and comfortable is making my life really tense. And this is a very important hinge point, the, the uh, sense of nibbita, or turning away from this path, that trajectory is not going anywhere. Well, it is going somewhere, but nowhere useful. It's not fulfilling the true potential of citta. It's, it's shortening it. It's limiting it to just the ability to manipulate, change conditions. And in doing that, the chitta naturally gets bonded to thought, to plan, to energies, to physical capacities, to appearances, conditions. And this very much limits its potential. And because there's so much emphasis on putting it that way, most people don't really, really believe there is a greater potential than that. And so but the Buddha's teaching is actually teaching of great optimism, saying, you know, you, you could go further than that. There's a possibility of complete liberation, ease, happiness. Uh, but it doesn't go through bonding to conditions. In fact, that is the, that's the confusion, that's the ignorance. It comes through a sequence, uh, letting go. This is the terms that are used for this is a sequence of it. Viveka means basically being able to step back, not compulsively addicted, but step back. Witness. Viraga means you're no longer stirred up about it all one way or another, not getting agitated by it, there's dispassion, not even seeking uh, to be stimulated uh, by conditions. Deepening sense of emotional, uh, emotional release from conditions. Cessation, neuroda, in certain habits, Stop your wish to make things perfect. Your compulsive, driven drives begin to stop. Something's been seen. Something's been deeply seen. And the jitta begins to find its true balance. Vodsaka, Vodsaka, relinquishment. There's a real shift from relinquish conditioned reality as a place that's our true home, our abiding place, something that we feel 
inseparably bonded to. And that uh, this is very profound because it does, just doesn't mean geography and nationality. It also means all those psychologies, the inner conditions that we call ourself, our personality habits. Yeah. We are just not. We're seeing that as just something extraneous, external to chitta. This is where the chitta shrugs off its wrappings, the things it's been hoodwinked by and caught up with for a long time. And so the true nature of it, it's open. And because this openness can't exactly be defined <laughs> as a thing, yeah. you know, I want some of that. Well, uh, it doesn't quite happen like that. Because <laughs> we tend to still operate according to the, the principles of the contracted, unopened state. So the bonding to conditional reality these phenomena that arise and pass, the, uh, the non-letting go of them, the fascination with them, the disgust over them, the agonizing over them, the identification with them, the rejection of them, all that kind of stuff that goes on. It becomes so ingrained you know, that uh, the, the activities that arise always seem to be about grasping something. Yeah. And we can't conceive of an ungraspable yeah. mind. Well, that sounds good. I want one of those. What is nibbana like? Is it this or is it that? No, it means it means nibbana means to stop doing that. <laughs> it means that that activity stops. It's not a state. It's not a phenomenon. It's a particular un- non-activity, a non-activation which is a non-activation of grasping. And this is the deathless, the jitter's release from all grasping. Okay, so from the, from the kind of conditioned norm, which we begin with, which is this contracted, what I call the contracted state, whereby thought, feeling, uh, perceptions, mental activities, physical forms, are qualities that we adhere to, and build our own identity out of, or other people's identity out of. She's that, he's one of those, I'm this, I know myself, I'm this and that, he's this and that. Yeah. And we just want to further it. I really want to know myself, herself, him, he's that, I've got that, I've got that sorted, I know that, now I know where I am, This and the future will be like this if I do that, and if I make it that way, it'll become that, and that'll be better than that. I don't want that to happen, I want that to happen. Yeah. And that's the activity that's become deeply ingrained for <laughs> in, in the contracted norm. Life gets very busy. And the Buddha said, this is uh, dukkha. Uh, you can translate that in a number of ways, of course, the uh, conventional, what people want one word for it, so I can get hold of it. <laughs> so I know that. No, no, it's not quite like that. 
Uh, uh, dukkha implies <coughs> stress, particular pressure. It implies it's the uh, called a characteristic, which is the characteristic the phenomena have of never quite settling and arriving. Yeah. I've never finally landing somewhere that you feel, oh, that's exactly right, and it stays there. They're always shifting, changing. Happiness comes, then it, oh, that really tastes good, and then, oh, yeah, that's a great idea, and then, oh, and I'll buy one of these, and then I'll get this new thing, and it'll be really, oh, what went wrong? Get another one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've got it all figured out. I've got this great plan. I've got this great idea. Yeah. That's it. But what about that? Oh, yes. I've got this vision of the universe. It's like this and like that. Well, what about that? Yeah. It's the incomplete. The fact that conditions never arrive at a final, completed state. They are unsatisfactory, incomplete, fallible, fragile, breakable, um, unreliable. And that's, that's the nature of conditions. And the, the first noble truth is that bonding to that internalizes that. So the jitta becomes, is felt. As suffering. So the difference between dukkha as a conditioned, as a nature of conditions, and dukkha as a noble truth, is that dukkha as noble truth is when you feel it. You feel that gripping of, oh no, hey, what about that? A little bit more. Yeah. And that can stop. But conditions still remain incomplete unsatisfactory, fragile, unreliable, but there's no suffering about it because the jitta doesn't bond to it. So it's very helpful to keep remembering that, you know, for an enlightened being, there's still dukkha. (laughs) You know, conditions are still like that. And the enlightened being knows how to relate to them with compassion, with clarity, with dispassion, with no expectation. We're not asking them to be something. We're not resisting them. We're not rejecting them. Stay open and allow conditions to, to move and change, pass through. Because the chitta can be trained to do that. And in doing so, it becomes extremely steady, rich, and brings forth kinds of rather beautiful potencies, potentials, like... uh, I don't think I've ever heard of an enlightened being being um, cruel and dismissive they generally qualities of compassion and goodwill 
arise by themselves. They may take strange forms, but that's a pretty much a constant quality, because that's the nature of it. When the jitter is open, it's about natural, buoyant, uh, generous radiance to it. It's also non-opinionated, because we've understood that opinions and views are just different ways of looking at things, and they're, they're unsatisfactory. That's why you often find, you know, teachers saying contradicting things, contradicting themselves. What? He said that. He said, don't get attached, he's doing that. Well, poor Charles said, just let things arise and pass. But there he is here, doing all this and doing all that. Well, because... <laughs> So it's, uh, it's, it's difficult to really pin it down. But you know, can know for you, what you can know for yourself has to be returned to. As in this kind of interesting uh, incident when Jack Cornfield, who was a bhikkhu with Ajahn Chah for a while, and he didn't think this Wat Bapong wasn't particularly serene and ethereal and refined and tranquil. It was kind of grubby and a bit rough in places and things broke down and some of the monks weren't great, you know, a bit dishevelled and not particularly, didn't seem very enlightened. And even the poor child didn't look that enlightened. He'd kind of laugh and he'd, you know, do ordinary things and you think, this is an enlightened being. You know, kinds of cranky habits, and, and then, so he said to him, so he said to Ajahn Chah, oh, I don't think you're so you're not very enlightened. You know, da, da, da. And Lumpur Chah just laughed and said, oh, oh, very good, very good. <laughs> said you're looking for an enlightened being. It's like looking for a turtle with a mustache. <laughs> you won't see them out here in the conditioned realms. <laughs> You won't see anybody who looks like that. Yeah. Where you're going to find it is in your own heart. That's the enlightened being lives. Go back and meditate some more. <laughs> you're looking for something to hold on to, aren't you? <laughs> looking for a condition to be other than it is. Yeah. Do you suffer here? Do you suffer with comparing this place with somewhere else? Does that cause you suffering? Do you suffer because it doesn't fit into your views and opinions? Do you suffer because of that? Yeah. Do you suffer because it's too cold sometimes, too hot sometimes, and it's too late sometimes, it's too early sometimes? Do you suffer because of that? Do you suffer because sometimes you feel tired and not very happy and sometimes the chant is useless? And Do you suffer because of that? Do you suffer because the routines are boring and get on your nerves you can't see the point of them? Do you suffer because of that? You suffer because, you know, this monk who's been here for 15 years is still falling over in meditation, falling asleep. Do you suffer because of that? <laughs> Do you suffer because the Anagarikas you train meticulously forget to offer you that wonderful bar of marmalade that's on the table? Do you suffer because of that? 
Good. <laughs> Watch that. <laughs> know that. Witness that. And what is it that? Oh, there's there's that there's that fact again. Condition, reality, forms, perceptions are like this. Mm-hmm. Where does the suffering stop? And that ceasing to contract around people's behaviour, around situations, around feeling, around perception. And you can see this is what is explained, though it's in the terms of the five aggregates, which again is another talk, isn't it? But basically, whether it's feeling, perception, form, or even a psychological attitude, these behaviours, or a state of consciousness, whether consciousness is sleepy, or bright, or refined, or coarse, and you bond to it, find fault with it, jump on it, grab it, obsess with it, get stuck in it. And the practices... Don't fall over into conditions. And this, know the nature of mind. How is that known? Well, you meditate. And I suppose the, um, basically, page one, chapter one, (laughs) sit up. Hold your body up, get an awake, alert posture. It's both alert and relaxed at the same time. First paradox, right? Firmly upright and relaxed. Meet paradox number one. And you realize, yeah, what looks rigid from the outside is actually very light when you get it right, when you find the balance. And you can sit more comfortably. I can sit much more comfortably like this than I can sitting in a chair where I've got to shift. Because the body finds its balance. It finds its balance and it adjusts. And you get that balance. And this is a sign, first sign, in this apparently stressful position. People say, oh, I couldn't sit like that for hours. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently stressful, how much effort it takes to hold your body up. Doesn't take much effort at all once you train. You just need to learn to relax. And the body begins to form and shape itself to find that balance. It does it by itself. You keep persisting, keep returning to it, keep checking it. Persistence, stay with it, stay with it, give it a little more time. Persistence is not a kind of brutal slogging, it means, okay, keep on track with that, getting strained, take a break, come back, try again. Persist, stay back, come back, return again. And then begin with that, and then then practice with the mind. And the simple practice, vitaka vichara, essentially that's the, sorry about the jargon, it means to lightly place your attention, place your attention on something, open up and listen to it. Attention on something, open up, how is that? 
Vitaka, place your attention on something, lightly. Vichara, open up around it. How is that? Do it in your body. How is this body? Open up. In the opening up, you're beginning to access the power of jitta. As you open up, you can sense the body sometimes even begins to respond to just being listened to starts to release itself place your attention touch it lightly open up how is this now when we say vichara how is this it's not means you've got to have a whole host of thoughts and ideas to explain how it is it's just use that question how is this to create that open space and then you listen in and the power of that listening quality awareness has an effect of its own and this is what the uninstructed person doesn't really know they think intelligence is having lots of ideas they think intelligence is having lots of strategies they think intelligence is having read 15 books on the topic and being crammed with ideas and notions about what's supposed to happen and what they should, what to get to and how to do this and how to do that. Well, it definitely takes intelligence to do that. But actually, the more you practice, you begin to strip down all the notions until you're left with just openness. Trust it. See what will happen just with that alone. Persist, stay with it. When your mind begins to almost instinctively creep into something and start being obsessive, touch it lightly. Open to that. What are you doing? There's a lightness. And uh, in my practice, I don't know if it's the same as everybody else's, but started off pretty intense, full on, a lot of push, drive, maybe that's just the way it has to be. But over time, in practice, it gets lighter and lighter and lighter. And I know less and less and less <laughs> about who I am, what I'm supposed to be. <laughs> I know less and less and less. And I think eventually I'll know nothing about it. <laughs> Just be that Vosaka relinquishment. And so there's the maturity and the maturation process uh, is one of getting lighter, less 
informed, misformed. And when you consider Nibbana Paramansukang, Nibbana is the highest ease. Don't you think that would be the case? That the ease is ease beyond thought, beyond knowledge, beyond construction of any kind. It's just that the chitta has matured. Just through this process of steadying it, placing it, and listening. And the lighter you get at it, the more accurate it is. Because if you use the vitaka touching lightly, then you don't go into all the details. Just this is hot. You know what hot hot. You don't have to go in, well he shouldn't be this, he should be that, but I don't understand why it's just hot. <laughs> okay. It's simple. It's a very simple uh, placing. We don't have to go into all the details, we just touch. Mm-hmm. This feels unsteady right now. What do we do? Wait. Stabilize. We don't have to start getting panicky, trying to hold this up, build this up, prop that up, make sure this is happening, figure that out, have a plan. No, no we just you know, unsteady, that's the condition. And dukkha, unsatisfiable, no response. We step back, return to balance. That's where the steadiness is, not in the condition. Do you go through these phases where you get into a kind of a blur of what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do, what I should I do this, should I do that, I go here, I go there, I'm supposed to be in the future, maybe I could be this, or what will happen if they ask me to give a talk next week, I don't know, I've got nothing to talk about, you go through those, <laughs> just step back, you don't have to go into all the, make yourself more confident, make sure you know where things going on, just, this is called agitated, you touch it lightly, so just get this very simple, one word of the of the impression and then you can get down to one word a very simple word is telling you exactly what's happening at the point of contact where the condition touches the chitta and stirred if we go further than that we go into all the details and then it gets rather confusing because we start to use conditions to work to and to contrast other conditions. I feel doubtful, therefore I should try to be more confident. No. I feel uh, disappointed, therefore I should try to feel you know, optimistic. No. Nope. <laughs> I'm really finding myself antagonistic towards this person, therefore I should try to be more loving. No. Nope. <laughs> Not really. That'll happen. What you do is you find your balance. You know, the antagonism, the agitation, the planning, that's that. My chitta is agitated, stirred, prickly, 
bristling. That's what you need to know. Forget about him and her and them and that. What's needed? Just to relate to that primary condition where the chitta begins to form its sankharas, its activities, its volitional tendencies, its psychologies. Get to the place where that begins. Cut it off there. This is the jitta contracting. How is that? And if you want a further detail, because sometimes, uh, you know, one needs support, what's happening in my body? Body's kind of tensing up, nerves are jangling. Stirred, pressure in my head, opening, body. Feel the condition, jitta comes out of its contractedness. You see conditions as they are. Notice people are no longer people, just perceptions that you find yourself getting agitated by or attracted to or confused by. Step back. So dukkha as a condition doesn't mean things are miserable. It also means things from the, have the have the potential to get you stirred up. They are they have hooks in them. They have the potential to throw you down, spin you around. They have the potential, and you know the most rewarding. Fulfillment of the human experience. My view, Buddha's view, was to notice those tendencies and step free of them. Jitta's then potential is fulfilled and realized. You know, sometimes when we get very engrossed in our stuff, Memories, bad habits, regrets, mental habits, mental agitations, can't get let, let go of that obsession, can't let go of that obsession. I just so I'm such an obsessed person, I'm really critical, I'm a control freak, I'm power hungry, I'm critical, I'm negative, da 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 da, da. You know? Yes, you know, all that. There's that sense in which don't think you've got to take a hatchet to your mind because you're still operating as if those conditions shouldn't be there and this is again a paradox well surely they shouldn't be there well they are there and you getting agitated about it doesn't help in the slightest 
but not paying attention to it isn't right. You pay attention with this process, vitaka, touch it lightly. This is the mind trembling. Vichara, open to that. How is that? Once chitta senses openness, it begins to move out of the conditioned state because it knows, it knows balance, just like a body knows balance. And once you've touched into that, you just need to give your chitta the opportunity to return to balance. You know, getting into a whole kind of psychological trick about who you are and what you should be and your bad habits and you never can do this and you always can do that and after all, better check out your spiritual life because you can't do it. What's happening? Chitta is getting tangled. Notice the tangling. How is that? Notice the, the aversion. How is that? The sadness, how is that? The feeling of defeat, how is that? Touch it lightly, open. Oh, everybody gets this. This is conditioned reality. This is conditioned reality. And of course, to cultivate that shift. This is what the discipline's about. It's not a heavy discipline, but it's that sense of um, keeping on the ball and remembering, because our addiction is to suffering. The most powerful addiction we have is to suffering. People are incredibly ingenious at being able to punish themselves and cause themselves damage. <laughs> you know, not just through violence, drugs, drink, you name it, but also just through constantly snarling themselves up with complexities and perfectionism and criticism and obsession. Yeah. So it takes a disciplined mind to, to not step back. Different direction. Step back. Find your balance. Find the still point and persist, linger in it, linger in it a lot. Linger in it a lot as you hear thoughts, lingering as you as you feel feelings, lingering as you feel energies moving, linger in that balance, and it becomes stronger and stronger and stronger. And so the in a way you can say, you know, jitta is all, already has its open nature to it, but that has to be developed, and it's developed through meeting sangsara. Right? Sometimes said nibbana is in sangsara. Nibbana is meeting sangsara and using it as a, something to strengthen your balance with. Just like, you know, you do once you can stand on your feet as a little toddler, takes a while, get to stand on your feet, then you can stand on one leg. 
It requires more balancing sense. It requires, you know, balance means you've got to feel the whole of your body in one go. Right? When you can stand on one leg, stand on your head. It seems very difficult at first. You have to lean against the wall, but eventually you can stand on your head. But it requires that progressive discipline to know how balance feels. Generally, when you do that, you realize if you start thinking about it, you can't do it. You have to rely on something beyond the thinking, conditioning, confabulating, constructing process. And that's, that's the power of citta. It's primary intelligence before the thinking starts. And after the thinking ceases, it's there. And so this great range of citta is unknown to the uncultivated person, is known, delighted in, a source of strength for the awakened person. And you see, conditions are like this, and they are comfortable and compassionate. As we notice, they never, you know, so many teachings are about letting things arise and pass away, but that's true. Yeah, if you notice, also, the Buddha certainly seemed to engage with a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of it may be legendary, but according to the, the sort of stories hand down, he'd only sleep two hours a night. Yeah. And some of, that, some of that time he'd be talking to monks or nuns or ministers or peasants or farmers or mothers. And then they'd all go away and if Davis would come and visit him, he'd give them a teaching. <laughs> so he certainly knew how to engage. So it wasn't the sense in which that, but what he disengaged from was the grasping. Yeah. Yeah, so, especially reading something from Paul Char, you know, Paul Char saying, well, let things, nature be what it is. And I was reading a story one time he was out you know, a couple of monks, junior monks, having an informal chat, you know, which of course wasn't considered a good thing to be doing. What Bapong was supposed to be earnestly meditating, they were just hanging out, having a rap. And he saw Ajahn Chah come, he said, Oh my God, he comes on Pong Chah. He's going, God, what are going to do? <laughs> you know, he's seen us, we've been rumbled. And he came and said, Come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here, come here. I said, What? He's going to give us a scolding. And he, and he had this stick in his hand. He said, and he was trying to get him to fashion a loop because he wanted to go out and hunt monitor lizards. Because <laughs> so, he was very fond of the, of the jungle chickens. And the monitor lizards would hunt the, the jungle chickens. So Wimpo Chow was trying to snare the, the monitor lizards and get them out of Wapapong. So he and his two junior monks were running around the forest with his stick with a piece of wire around them, trying to catch monitor lizards. <laughs> so, well, it didn't let everything arise and pass away exactly. Though. You know, this is the paradox, isn't it? Uh, um, but you could say there was a compassionate wish behind that. 
what Bhagavan taught. They used to have a thing about the Ungtar uh, Mabu was very fond of animals, and they had this particular kind of white squirrel, I think it was a squirrel, that was in the forest, one Wat Pantak. And these squirrels would be hunted by owls. So he seemed to either, because a lot of the monks had these slingshots. So they'd walk around with a slingshot, like a little catapult, and they'd whip it out and boom, and fire a shot at the owls to stop the owls attacking the squirrels. So this <laughs> is part of what Wat Pantak seen as his monks. <laughs> shooting owls. Of course, it didn't kill them, it just kind of frightened them, so, they, so the owls wouldn't attack the squirrels. So, you know, you look at these things and think, well, it's not entirely for sure, is it? Engagement, disengagement, or what you know for yourself is you disengage, let go of the compulsions, the obsessions the finalities, the fixed views for this or for that because she, the mind knows its ease and when that potential strengthens there's a natural reaching out of compassion goodwill and service which is what the Buddha and most of the great teachers epitomized so they were busy busy and also not busy, you know, doing stuff, and yet internally nothing still. And that's the power and the paradox of it. The the mind can have that still, stable, open center, and yet able not only to release from conditions, but actually pick up formations attitudes inappropriate to circumstance and let them go no karma happens, finished, no grasping this gives us a sense of the tremendous potential that's there for the the mind, for the heart, for the awareness this is why of course uh, you know Cultivators know this, begin to sense this, within conditions, through conditions, permeating conditions, is the unconditioned. Within the samsara is nibbana. Within the world of form, perceptions, feelings, there's a release from them. In fact, nowhere else is that release known, except through knowing the world as it is. So I have a chance tonight um, using our whatever <laughs> wherever your motivation is um, to uh, cultivate and um, I personally like to use these occasions, visuals um, according to as best I can to, uh, you know, go a little further. Uh, and sometimes it is you know, just moving through that. Okay. It's like this. Like this. Like this. Like this. Like 
And do that a few times. You no longer criticize anybody else for doing it. Because <laughs> if, oh, no, Posuchino is falling asleep. No, I'm not. I'm waking up. <laughs> it just takes a while. <laughs> it takes a while <laughs> to work through what energy does. This uh, very limited and conditioned feature of our lives. So if we have goodwill uh, and uh, persistence and we're ready for it, then we can begin to move into even the, the challenge, challenges that this life can present for us and we become strengthened by it. So this is my encouragement for the evening and maybe all realise so that balance, the inner poise that gives us the greatest ease in this strange, mysterious life. Sadhu, 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 Sadhu.